Hello everyone and welcome back to our podcast. We're very glad that you are here with us. Uh, Lachlan and Luke are not with us again. Uh, I know that Lachlan is currently on a road trip with his family. Luke's unavailable but Ken's here and we're very excited to get into the topic for discussion today. Yes we are. Good evening. Uh, Good morning whenever you're listening. Now Ken, a few weeks ago near the start of the episode I quoted a, a book in which the author claimed that there were three Three things identified in the Bible as the sign of a covenant. And one of these is the rainbow, and one of them is Sabbath, and one is circumcision. And in that episode, I was I was brought to account by everyone else who, who questioned whether these were the only three. And um, we are now forced to revisit this controversy because the whole the whole discussion this week is on the Sabbath as a sign of the covenant. Well, it's an interesting discussion. Um, I think uh, there are all sorts of ways that one can look at a sign. I mean, I know we're looking at a sign of the covenant, but I I think it's useful to start and say, well, what is a sign? Um, Sometimes I see highway signs um, and they have all sorts of different meanings, Um, warnings, limits. So there are signs of that sort. Is, Is this the sort of sign that we're talking about as a sign of the covenant? A sign of something. A sign, I guess, I'm trying to think, are the, are the signs beside the highway signs of something? They're, they're a sign that the speed limit has changed. Yeah, that's true. But they also have a particular authority, um, I was going to say of themselves, but that's perhaps not right, but they're, they're invested with a particular authority uh, by the law. Yeah, so, I mean, a sign is quite a different thing to a symbol. Mm. But... Uh, I'm try- I find I feel that they should be different, but I'm finding hard to to articulate the difference between them. Well, there's there's an overlap, isn't there? Um, <laughs> I'm finding it hard to articulate the difference as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, a, a symbol. A symbol is a representation of something. Uh, it is not the thing, but it is a representation of the thing. A sign is not necessarily a representation, although it might be. Uh, an indication of something. It points to something, even though it doesn't purport to uh, represent it. Yeah, and and it's a it's a statement. A sign seems to be much more of a. Uh, there seems to be a message embodied in a sign. Mm. Mm. A communication of information, which is not necessarily what a symbol is. Yeah, yeah. Although generally, a symbol, I think, would. So, of course, there's a that's that's looking at a sign as a noun. A sign can also be a verb, or at least you can sign as a verb. Um, mm. I'm thinking of a, a couple of examples. There's sign language, um, and of course, then there's the signing of a document, the execution of a document, um, uh, which of course is what one does in respect of a covenant. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah. So uh, yeah. There's, there's the verb there as well. So what with anything else that you can think of? I mean, there are lots of words, aren't there, that are that are related. I, I imagine they would have to be related to sign. Uh, to signal mm-hmm. would have to be related. What about to assign something to someone? Is there, is there a connection there, Ken? Uh, as in to transfer a benefit. Um, or an obligation. Yeah, or, assi- uh, or assign a task to my students. Yeah. 
that the Bible talks about many things as signs. That the plagues on Egypt were a sign. That's that's what they are referred to as in the text. So there were a sign of what might be the question in relation to the plagues. Um, a sign of God's intention for His people to leave Egypt. True, a sign of His power. Um, yeah. Maybe not so much a sign of his power as simply the exercise of his power. Um, yeah, I'm I finding the word less and less clear to me, Ken, the more that we're thinking about it. Um, <laughs> it's often and, the case, Cam. Well, and then it's a sign of the covenant. We've looked at the rainbow is a sign of the covenant. Yes, yeah. Uh, other, other biblical references to signs include, I think, the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? The sign of Jonah was that he was in the whale for three days. Yeah. Uh, what was it a sign of? I mean, I know it was of Jonah, but um, uh, why was it a sign of Jonah and not simply... Do you know, uh, do you know why? I want... It's interesting, Ken, because it's a fairly oblique reference. I don't think anyone reading the story of Jonah would have identified in that a messianic prophecy of Christ staying in the tomb for three days. But Christ himself pulls out. He says the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Yeah. Um, and I think one reason why he picked that story is because so much of the offence that people took to his ministry were on the grounds that he was extending God's grace, even just God's attention, towards <laughs> undesirables. And that, that's what really worked them up. And I think that's why he, he picked on Jonah, because the whole point of the story of Jonah is that, is that God's extending his attention and his focus and his, his thought and, and his grace to people that Jonah does not want it extended to. Mm. So I think that Christ is in the context deliberately pulling that out. Mm. But I don't I think I think the I, I don't see a lot of a lot of meaning transferred to Christ's death and re- resurrection from the fact that Jonah was in the belly of a fish for 3 days because he refused to do what God wanted. I I, I mean I, I don't see much connection between those two stories at all. Yeah. Well, there, 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 look there might be a connection but I can understand the difficulty in seeing it. Um, but there is certainly the um, uh, the fact that God saves even the irreligious. Um, mm. Yeah, um, those who religious people would consider unworthy. Uh, what what signs do we have? For, I guess I'm wearing one. Can I'm wearing a wedding ring? True. Is that would we be happy to say that, that represents the sign of a covenant? Uh, I'm happy to do that. I think that works. Do you know that? Um, do you know that my dad was the second only staff member at Avondale to wear a wedding ring. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, because they were very much frowned upon. Yeah. And he um, he had some very good arguments in store, ready to use for the first person who told him he shouldn't be wearing one. And to his great frustration, no one ever did. <laughs> That's often the case with good arguments. Um, yeah. Uh, sometimes people who might be tempted to confront you about something uh, think carefully about it and realise that, well, maybe there are good arguments for me not to raise it because I wouldn't be able to succeed. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That can be a very frustrating experience, though. You really want to let somebody have it. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure. I'm sure your dad wouldn't have approached it with that attitude. I might say, but, um, <laughs> and you never get it the opportunity. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's interesting 
that that was a, that was a thing that was talked about quite seriously in the Adventist church at one mm, time. Mm, mm. Sh- should people have wedding rings? Mm. Well, I remember it being an issue for my for my parents when they moved to the United States because I think uh, um, in Australia a a uh, at least for a, a woman wearing a wedding ring was an appropriate thing. Uh, but even in the US, uh, in some parts of the US, it was considered, uh, you know, an inappropriate adornment. Uh, so that was an issue there. What, what do you do when you move cultures, uh, when the sign is has a different significance in a different culture? Indeed, that, 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 that reminds me of one of the, um, uh, the references uh, to signs, I think, in, in the scripture is that um, uh, it, there's, a, there's a passage where it says... Uh, the Jews seek a sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. Yes, and it's not in a complimentary sense. No, no, for, for First says, Corinthians I mean, one twenty two, it is. <laughs> for Jews demand signs yeah. and Greeks seek wisdom. Um, and we've already referred to the... Um, <clears throat> we've already referred to, Ken, the, the, when Christ refers to the sign of Jonah. That is in the context of people asking him for a sign and he says it is a wicked generation that, asks, that seeks a sign. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and there are false there are false signs. Oh well, why is it a wicked generation that seeks a sign? Um, the psalmist asks for a sign. He he says, I think it's Psalms eighty something, Psalms eighty eight. Uh, he says, "Give me a sign of your goodness." Yeah, I better find that reference now. But it... and and indeed, um, uh, it's um, God Himself gives these signs. I mean, He Psalm eighty six. It was right. Psalm eighty six. So. There's the signs in Revelation. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, well, uh, the mark of the beast. Uh, there's the woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, uh, and a head and a crown of 12 stars. Uh, stars. That's a great sign uh, that appears in heaven. It's in an Revelation ambiguous 12, sign, Ken. A bit, no, I shouldn't say it's ambiguous. This is obviously an apocalyptic literature genre with that expressing things in... You express meaning in a particular way in, mm. in apocalyptic text. Mm. And um, something is given and then very often explained in text. So, you know, it's not it's not that opaque. But it is very difficult when signs are a bit difficult to understand. Um, and and there's a great far side cartoon of a car climbing up a hill. And there's a sign that says, look out five kilometres. Then another one says, "Look out, two kilometers." And then at the very brink of the cliff, it says, "Look out!" And the, the road just the road just goes disappears off the edge of a cliff. And there's a car in midair as it's descending. Uh-huh. Yes, I have the uh, complete collection of Gary Larson's Far Side in two very heavy volumes. Good, good. Can in the in the um, psalm here it says, "Give me a sign of your goodness." that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. So there's something about a sign that's a, that is a, a public thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a statement. A statement to be seen by many people. And perhaps that's uh, some of these signs. You talked about um, how the, the, uh, uh, the Jewish leaders asked for a sign. Um, and he said, well, none mm. will be given. Um, and yet they were given. Um, there were signs and wonders. Um, the, the first sign uh, spoken about is uh, the uh, turning of the water into wine. Uh, so a sign, a miracle can be a sign. 
Um, mm. uh, and perhaps that's a public statement. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the rainbow is a, is a sign in that sense. Mm. Even to sign a document, Ken, once you've signed that document, that carries the same weight and authority as if you were there even when you're not there. Yeah. Like a, a signed, my signed contract at work. Yeah. They don't have to ring me up and say, are you happy to abide by these conditions? Yeah. They can say, oh, yes, he is because he signed, he signed this. So it's not public in the sense that anyone can see it, but it's... it's it's a statement it's intended in to be communicated uh, and acted upon. Yeah. Mm. So how does how does the Sabbath work as a sign then? Well, let's let's have a look at it in some of those ways. It's the culmination of the miracle of creation. Um, so, in that sense, uh, it's perhaps a sign of the power of God in the same way that um, turning water into wine uh, is a sign of that power. Um, indeed. That's that's a that's a miracle that deals with matter at a very fundamental level. Um, uh, in the same way, one might think that one turns affects the molecular structure to turn water into wine. Um, one effects uh, the existence of the molecular structure uh, in the first place. Can it the first sign listed in the Bible is in the creation account? And the first one is the sun and the moon mm. are put there as signs to mark days, times, seasons. And uh, they were, in contemporary cultures, objects of worship. But in the Jewish culture, they were only signs. Mm. So they weren't the objects of worship. They were objects that pointed to worship. Ken, if we look at this Psalms 19, it says, this is a well-known psalm that starts with the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Mm. Mm. It reminds me of the uh, the, the passage. Uh, uh, I think it, the, 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 perhaps the one I'm thinking of is Romans one twenty, uh, and and 21. Uh, for invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, uh, being understood by the things that are, even his eternal power and Godhead. So part of the Sabbath commandment is, in it, in the statement in Exodus, is is a call for us to remember God's creative acts. So that that's one of the things it, of which it is is a sign. In, in that sense, uh, to help you remember, it's a bit like... Um, uh, you know, a repeated speed limit sign. Um, there, yeah. there are, I sometimes get people who say, I didn't see the sign. Um, right. Well, you've got to... Uh, it was there. <laughs> they just didn't see it. Um, I wonder if sometimes the Sabbath can be a little bit like that. <laughs> I mean, the Sabbath is also quite a, a public thing, particularly for back, back when... Um, I mean, these days we don't have at least as, as a church body. We don't have control over the, the structures. We have a separation of, of government and state from religion. But if you were in an ancient Hebrew town and no one worked on Sabbath, and that was, that was enforceable and acceptable to enforce, people visiting your town expect to do what you do, and, 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 and they like it anyway because they get the day off. Yeah. That the you know the labourers 
itinerant laborers traveling around doing fruit picking or you know people traveling between countries would enjoy i imagine going to a place where you got a day off mm. uh once a week and uh in that sense it's quite a public sign a universal sign um i i've often thought that the uh I really appreciated the concept that i've heard in many seventh day adventist church that churches that uh, the Sabbath as a sign is a very effective one. Uh, it's not limited to any particular place. Um, it's uh, it's a um, it's something that's stamped in time uh, itself in the weekly cycle, um, which at least in the world as we know it now is fairly universal. Of course, it, it, it's not true that it is the same in every place um, because. Uh, one simply has to uh, move up and down um, the latitudes and uh, time changes quite significantly. Um, the, the, the time, well, I suppose it's always a 24-hour day, isn't it? Um, but some days just Well, unless you uh, happen to be in the polar regions. Well, it's still a 24-hour um, day. It's just a thick, the amount of daylight or, or, or darkness you get at any particular, during any particular 24-hour period is different. I'm going to try and find Ken if I can find that quote. Yeah, uh, I might. I think I might have found it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's under a heading: um, uh, "The Sabbath cannot be kept in Norway." Um, <laughs> uh, in 1900, when Ellen G. White was confronted with certain problems relating to Sabbath keeping above the Arctic Circle, she wrote the following advice to J.A.O. and then President of the General Conference of Seventh Day Adventists uh, in a letter. 167 of the 23rd of March, 1900. In the countries where there is no sunset for months and again no sunrise for months, the period of time will be calculated by the records kept. But God has a world large enough and proper and right for human beings he has created to inhabit it without finding homes in those lands so objectionable in very, objectionable in very many, many ways. <laughs> That's the quote I was thinking of, Ken. I, I heard that quote read in a Sabbath school that had two Scandinavians in it. Oh dear. They, they found it very, they found it, they found it very amusing. There are issues around Sabbath keeping. This is getting off topic. This won't help our theology at all. But Ken, there was a there was when they moved the dateline. Yeah. And one of the islands in Samoa moved across the dateline. They they had a very real problem. And, and I think there's that whether they were going to have a still controversy about it to this day and there are some sabbath at least there were historically some sabbath keepers who worshipped on sunday um because it was the dateline that had moved not them uh. yeah which means can we could resolve the issue very easily by just gradually moving the dateline a full circle around the world and and then, and then, just gradually bring everyone back into harmony. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I can remember my grandmother was. Um, uh, we lived in the U.S. for three years when I was a teenager, and she came to visit us um, uh, from her home in Launceston, actually, where I now live. And um, uh, she was, uh, she travelled um, back on a Friday and arrived on a Sunday. And she was devastated that she that somebody had taken Saturday, um, uh, taken the Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, she she couldn't understand that. Um, it was a uh, uh, something that caused her great consternation. As did daylight savings, I might say. Um, uh, that was 
man, you know, man playing with the Sabbath. Um, uh, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't seem to help uh, that it was pointed out that, well, in fact, the sun still rose and set at the same fixed time on that day. It was just called yeah. a different time. The clock, um, <laughs> the clock was just moved. And if, you, <laughs> and if you measure sunset from uh, Sabbath from sunset to sunset, nothing had changed. No, exactly. But but I mean this is this this is I guess one of the issues that where the Sabbath discussions of Sabbath cause so much heat and so little light is there is a strong there are strong elements in which all of our Sabbath keeping involves things that we've made up hmm. uh, norms and we've talked about this previously uh, different people have different ways of setting the day apart hmm. and making it special different cultures do. Uh, in Australia, we don't wouldn't go out to eat on Sabbath, but in America, that's much more common. In some parts of America, in in some parts of America, it's it's more common. So, uh, you know, in some parts, going for a swim would be seen as acceptable, and in some parts, it wouldn't. And in some parts, it would, and it wouldn't, depending who you spoke to. Uh, uh, I am a strong advocate for saying that uh, in a world where our work is increasingly diverse. Our Sabbath keeping should be diverse. So if if you were a fencing contractor then and you were doing physical work, then resting from that means physical inactivity. If you're a mathematics teacher and you sit in a classroom not doing much all week, then rest from my work would mean physical activity. As in that's that I need my body needs a rest at, at the health level, my body needs a rest from inactivity. So but so I'm a strong advocate that I think our Sabbath keeping ought allowed refl- to reflect differences between peoples and culture. But how does it then remain a sign? And to whom is it a sign, Ken? And what sort of a sign is it? Look, I, I wonder, Cameron, whether there might be a couple of texts that we could uh, go to. or we, At least let's have a look at the covenants that we've been through uh, previously. And... And one particular element of those covenants uh, has been um, uh, that you are blessed to be a blessing. I'm not going to go back through every one of them because we've been through them before. But in uh, consistently through the covenant for Abraham, uh, the covenant for Jacob at least, um, uh, the, the blessing that God covenants to give uh, is a blessing that is intended to be shared uh, to be given itself in return and and perhaps insofar as the sabbath is a covenantal sign um, it is a sign of something which is designed to be a blessing to be given and so in that way the sabbath might really be a sign that is most prominent, that is uh, most effective uh, when it involves blessing others. So that the blessing that we receive from the Sabbath is blessing others. And and the text that then comes to mind with me uh, there is the text, and can you get the reference to it, um, uh, this is how 
they will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. Um, Ken, I was thinking of a couple of verses. Um, one of them was Christ's parable about the servant who's forgiven, mm. but then refuses to forgive mm. his servants. Um, and and uh, that was one passage. Uh, there's many passages where the nation of Israel is, is addressed um, in those terms that you've received a blessing. You, he, God constantly admonishes them to remember you were once slaves in Egypt. Mm. You are to retain the cultural memory of what it means to be an outsider, and you are to think of that whenever there are outsiders among you. That's uh, which is interesting, you know, because the statement that they would spend time in Egypt does feature in the covenant described to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm. Doesn't God say in one of the statements there that your descendants will be will be live in Egypt, mm. but then I'll deliver them with a mighty hand? Mm. Uh, it's almost as if that time spent in slavery was part of, was not God abandoning his covenant, it was part of the covenantal plan, uh, even though his people were enslaved, which is another whole interesting idea. Um, the verse you were thinking of was uh, John thirteen thirty four and 35, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Which means... Which means our behaviour is a sign of a covenant of sorts. You know, the thought occurred to me, Ken, that what in the Old Testament is described as a covenant, at least when it comes to covenants with whole nations, this is my the sign of the covenant is circumcision, and the sign of the covenant is Sabbath keeping, and and God makes a covenant with the nation of Israel. And it, if you want to belong to that group, you need to observe and follow those signs. Mm. You need to. That the, the the sign is really a sign of belonging, mm. of who's in and who's out, of the community, and uh, and the concept of belonging to God's chosen race in the Old Testament is superseded in the New Testament by the concept of being Christ's disciple. Mm. It it is sometimes still used. Uh, the Sabbath as a sign is sometimes still used as a indication of who's in and who's out. And certainly there's a significant element of Seventh-day Adventist theology, I think, uh, that talks about uh, the observance of the Sabbath as being uh, very much uh, an end-time sign of the elect. Ken, I'm a bit uncomfortable with it, though, because when we say keeping the Sabbath, what we usually mean, because we don't go and spy on each other on Sabbath afternoon, what we usually mean is attending a particular building in a particular place between the hours of half past nine and, and depending on the preacher, somewhere between 12 o'clock and one o'clock. And, and if someone is doing that, we say, oh, well, that's, that's fine, that's fine. It's good, everything's humming along well for them. But then if they fail to, if they're not attending church, then something's wrong. Um, we're concerned for their spiritual well-being. We should send the pastor around. We use its church attendance as a sign for whether people's spiritual walk is all going along fine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Um... If you did have problems and you wanted to talk about it at church, the best way to initiate a conversation would be to stop going. <laughs> well, I, I, yes, I, that's very true. Which ought not be that way. Yeah. But here can here can it doesn't say that Sabbath keeping is a sign that we that we are Christ's disciples. Do you know, I don't like the idea of belonging to God's people 
or even the concept of the remnant, it makes me feel a little bit un uncertain because it's sort of a statement of identity. You say, I'm, I am one of God's remnant. And once you've decided that, then you're just one of God's remnant. That's cool. I'm in. And they're out. And that gives me all sorts of license to think superior thoughts and to be self-confident and all the rest of it. I don't like it because remnant, you either interact. Being someone's disciple, I like that a lot better because you say, I am his disciple today and I'll be a better and truer disciple tomorrow. When I, when I know him better, I'll be able to emulate him better and learn more from him. And I'm, I'm not in yet. I'm, I'm not in the know on everything. I, I haven't arrived. I like the idea of, of the disciples sort of superseding this, this concept of God's special people. And, and it seems to be a, uh, I, our listeners might want to, might like to comment on it mm. whether, and whether they think that the concept of discipleship is an effective replacement for this concept of a, of a special people belonging to God. Well, and, and of course no. it depends what you mean by uh, a disciple, um, because the way that we use discipleship as a, um, uh, what well, we, we even use discipleship as a, um, uh, as a sign of whether you're in or out, uh, and we call it discipleship. Uh, but what it really means, uh, discipleship in that sense, is that I have a particular set of beliefs and I try to persuade other people to have those same beliefs. Um, uh, and it often doesn't mean yeah. what I think the fuller um, concept of discipleship or perhaps even better, the fuller experience of discipleship is. Uh, and that is actually to be... Uh, a student of living the way that Jesus lived um, uh, to yeah. become a student, a student of, Jesus. of Christ. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so the Sabbath is not identified here in this passage as the sign. The sign is is that we love one another, but that's not disconnected from Sabbath keeping because mm. we've already alluded to mm. today and and in previous episodes, the Sabbath commandment was formulated to benefit foreigners. Uh, women as well as so everyone rested, your wives and your children, your male and your female servants, so there's no division based on gender. The animals got rest, the land got rest, there's social equality, there's environmental justice, themes sort of working in there. The Sabbath is a very outward looking commandment. So so it is it is um, it is in perfect harmony with Christ's statement here. In John thirteen thirty five, that that whether we love other people is is the sign of of the covenant. Well, it's not even that we love other people. In fact, oh, it's a sign it's, that we're his disciples. Yes, it's a sign that we're his disciples. But even the, but interestingly enough, the sign, uh, if one reads it quite narrowly, is uh, that you love one another. Um, so uh, you don't have to love uh, uh, them so long as you love us. Um, uh, I'm not sure that's what Christ was meaning. Um, but but that was the point that I was wanting to make, Cam, the point that you make is the one that I was wanting to make and was the connection that I was seeing between those covenants in the Old Testament where you are blessed to be a blessing um, and the Sabbath uh, as a sign um, uh, when the way that we are known as his disciples is the love that we share. Uh, so perhaps uh, the Sabbath as a sign of the covenant should be an opportunity for sharing love. Uh, is is a formal church service the best environment for that, Ken? Don't start me down that track, Cam. <laughs> no, it's obviously there are many good things that you can do in a formal service. And obviously God endorsed formal worship services. Of course, they weren't limited to Sabbaths. 
um, in the Old Testament, um, but 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 a formal setting where we all sit and face one direction at the front while someone at the front talks to us is is not an optimal setting for for loving each other. Well, not loving each other comprehensively. Um, there is much more to love than sitting and listening, and there is much more to love than standing and talking. Um, uh, but there are occasions where uh, love involves the transmission and receipt of information. Um, and there is a place for um, instruction, um, uh, but there is so much more than that. Mm. And perhaps, I don't know, does it, should, does it, is it something that's designed to be every week? Well, Jesus attended the synagogue. Um, he himself preached. Uh, presumably there was some uh, effective purpose to that. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, just, I was just thinking on all the things that we might use functionally as signs to each other within the church that things are going well. Um, uh, one of them is, uh, is uh, you know, in some churches, it's what translation Bible you read from. Mm. Well, what should be? The, okay, so there are many signs that there may be. Some of them might be good and some of them uh, might not be. What should those signs be? Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, the sign should be that that we we have six days a week to look after our own interests, but on the Sabbath, we the sign that we are Christ's disciples should be, I guess every day, but especially on the Sabbath, should be that we are genuinely looking out for the well-being of other people. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll let pass the... We have six days to look after our own interests, so... Um, well, no, I, I'm going to stand by it, Ken, because it says six days you shall work, and the inference is work to feed your family and work to... Um, so looking after your own interests is not necessarily selfish. Ah. There are responsibilities you have that towards yourself as a person and your family that, you know... Uh, I, I, look, I, I accept I accept that, Cam, and, and uh, looking after your own interests in a broad sense. Uh, but, of course, what you've immediately done is then talked about your responsibilities, which are not your own interests, they're your responsibilities. But sometimes it is in your own interest to, to bear those responsibilities faithfully. Well, what is meant then, what, what is meant by the statement that six days we, it doesn't it say you're allowed to work, yeah. it says you shall work. <laughs> well, here maybe, maybe, maybe this, uh, well, maybe this uh, just uh, shows how we're wrong about talking about Sabbath as a day where we're meant to get out and do things for other people. Because perhaps the work that we're doing should be the ministry that we have in the world and the work that we have uh, in the world, including uh, the responsibility for providing for uh, those we're responsible for. And we should do that for six days. And then on the seventh day, um, uh, we should take a break from that. Yeah, in the original context, though, of an agrarian society, the 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 Sabbath is definitely a more outward-looking day than the other six. But it is outward-looking in the sense that you free yourself from those other responsibilities um, so that you can focus in a different way. Mm. In, in, in a world where, and in a culture, at least in Australia, where... Um, lifestyle illnesses associated with eating too much and exercising too little are far more significant, you know, 
have a far more significant effect on society than than malnutrition. Uh, and in a society where everyone has uh, historically, not everyone, on average, people within society have more leisure time than people have ever had in human history, unless they were nobility. Uh, in that in that setting, it's not clear to me what uh, behaviour is the appropriate behaviour to adopt in order to ensure that the Sabbath is a sign of a covenant with God. Well, given those lifestyle issues, Cam, what I'm hearing you say is that I need to avoid breakfast, lunch and dinner tomorrow and get out on my push bike and <laughs> turn my legs over. And frankly, well, that would do yeah. me a bit of good at the moment because I haven't been going to the gym or riding as much as I should. And I've been not eating as well as I should. So perhaps I should use the Sabbath to start that at least. Yeah, have some treadmills at church. <laughs> uh, you could though, couldn't you? You could have some treadmills with some headphones so that people can listen to the <laughs> sermon while they're, while they're going in a separate room like the cry room. <laughs> but, you know, so it's, it's sound so no one can hear the, the pumping of the treadmill steps. Uh, because that would the people who need... affect the reverence that ought to be uh, promoted. But yes, <laughs> we could we could uh, we could take that a long way, Cam. We could, in fact, we hold could. church uh, during a spin class. Well, or have a spin class at could. church. And and surely, if if uh, if if physical exercise is not an activity, if exercise physical exercise is an activity that entirely separates us from God. We ought not do it under any circumstance, Sabbath or not. And if it doesn't actively separate us from God, then if it is one of many places in which God can be experienced, then it ought at least in some form be allowable in church. Mm. Like, I'm trying to think, and I, I, don't, I genuinely do not know the answer, but what, what would the average person on the streets of Launceston accept as a sign? What would they say? Oh, those people are followers of Christ because of because of what they do once a week. Because I, I don't think I don't think they're necessarily convinced by us getting together and backslapping each other. Uh, I mean, this is not all the case, but we do spend a lot of time reminding ourselves that we know the truth mm. and that and that uh, you know there's a lot that happens that isn't backslapping. So uh, you know, but but you know, we meet together and we say the same things. We ask ourselves the same questions the same. so that we can give ourselves the same answers and the same be confident answers. that we are and, right. And, and even if we don't ask ourselves the same questions to get the same answers, it is still a place where we see primarily the point of the whole thing is is the transmission of information. It's very information-centric in as much as we have a lesson pamphlet full of ideas that we have to communicate and discuss, and then we have a sermon that, that we're going to listen and to. we have a so, podcast every Friday night that we... <laughs> and we have a podcast every Friday night. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure... I'm not sure... Well, I think it... I'm not sure what... I think that's a good challenge what, for us to uh, uh, to leave. Um, it's perhaps yes. one that we all need to reflect on. Um uh, the ways in which we can create uh, a Sabbath that is a sign of the blessing and the goodness of God. Mm. And a sign that's, I mean, one of the points about a sign is it wouldn't be much sense putting up a road sign here in Launceston that was written in in 
uh, Slovenian. Uh, is that what they speak in Slovenia? Uh, I guess I so. expect it is. Uh, all I remember, all I remember is when I was driving through Slovenia, I was absolutely bamboozled by seeing words, heaps of words that had L, B, J as consecutive con- consonants <laughs> in words, including their capital city, which has it twice. <laughs> and how do you say? How do you say? How do you say a word that starts with L, B, J? That's that's impossible. So I mean. It, you wouldn't put a sign up that was in the wrong language, and what, in the same sense, you could do things that were just culturally in the wrong yeah. language. Yeah. Sent the wrong message. I think that's a good point. No answers today. I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, lots of questions. We're also interested in your thoughts. So if you have any, you can email them to sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail dot com. And you know, our hope and prayer is ever to find a form. Our aim should always be to maximise the meaning, I think, in the Sabbath. And we'd just be really interested in knowing your thoughts on the on the best ways of doing this and, and what does Sabbath keeping look like? What what would constitute an effective sign of 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 belonging to God's people and, and in the context of the verse that we've read uh, from the Gospel of John, that very much means that we that we love other people. That's that seems to be perhaps that can the only point of consensus that we've reached. <laughs> A good uh, point of consensus. 